family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage, for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. I'm your host, Rick Strawn, the president of Paradigm Security Services. And again, we're excited to be with you today on Business Radio X. We're broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, located in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia. In addition to Paradigm Security Services, this show is also brought to you by Sosby's Garage, which you heard a little clip on in the beginning, and the Mana Scholarship Fund. Check them out. It's uh, an awesome fund. It's an awesome job that they do with regard to disorders, eating disorders and that type of thing. On every show, we feature businesses and organizations in the Atlanta area, especially those that serve Gwinnett County. Please hit that subscribe button while you're there so that uh, we can uh, keep you updated on everything. While all businesses have security concerns, not all are about physical security. And we will touch on that and other related aspects of security through the course of our shows. Our guest today is kind of twofold. Usually I have just people in person. I've got Mr. Jerry Robb, who is the author of a couple of books, the theendthebook.com, because one of them was The End of the Book. And uh, the uh, latest one is Joey's Legacy. And Scott Fine, who is founder of Joey's Legacy, Inc., which is the nonprofit uh, set up to do what we're going to be talking about here. Uh, he's on the telephone from, I believe it's North Carolina, aren't you? Actually, Lexington, South Carolina. Oh, Lexington, South. Well, I was only one north and south off, though it's not too far. But um, usually what I do is I start off the show by asking who people are. So, uh, Jerry, you've been on here before, but remind people who you are. Graduated from North Carolina State, moved to Atlanta, and when I got 63, I started writing books. I've now written eight. Uh, The first seven was a series, a biblical series about prophecy. And the the last one was about Joey's legacy. That's how I got to be an author. And this is just a fantastic organization. I'd never even heard of them a year ago. I didn't even know this was an issue in the veterinarian industry. Uh, So it's been been a real eye-opener to me. That's awesome. Well, Scott, um, glad to have you here. I finally get to talk to you. Um, Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, where you got into this. So uh, born and raised in Miami, lived most of my life in Florida, just moved to South Carolina uh, August of last year. Uh, we lost our dachshund, Joey, in uh, June, actually, it'll be four years uh, this month, uh, as a result of uh, veterinary malpractice. We decided to turn the uh, probably the, one of the worst days of our lives into 
uh, a place of uh, comfort for those that uh, who also had loved ones that met the same fate. So we formed our 501c3 nonprofit, Joey's Legacy, and we started attracting uh, people from all over the country uh, who had similar experience. I started to put together a team of veterinarians and animal law attorneys, which took a little while, but I'm happy to say we have a, a team of nine veterinarians and over 50 attorneys. We have at least one attorney in each state. Uh, awesome. that will uh, our vets will review medical records determine if malpractice occurred if so they will work with the attorneys to seek justice through uh, the laws and uh, once in a while through the court system well you know and I, I'm kind of the same way I never really thought about this subject before I you know talking to Jerry about it once he got started after he met you and got talking about the book and, and all that, you know, it's really a lot bigger issue than what people realize it is. Of course, those that are involved in the a moment, they realize how big it is, but, uh, you know, how big an issue is this really? So the good news, Rick, happy to report, is that uh, we do uh, surveys of 100 new members at a time and consistently over time, between 80 and 90 of them tell us that they have never had a bad experience with a veterinarian. Uh, they love their vets. They love the care that their uh, loved ones get from their vets. They consider their vets, some of them consider their vets part of their family and they hold veterinarians very high, high regard. Now the other 15 or so out of a hundred have had a bad experience. Uh, the experience might be uh, a dispute over veterinary costs. It might be disputes over uh, type of treatment, uh, flea and tick uh, issues that uh, that are common nowadays, uh, and then veterinary drugs that are controversial. And then there are those that come with allegations of uh, the vet killed my dog or cat. Uh, and out of that group, I would say about 60, 40, 60% uh, of them uh, provide medical records, which our veterinarians review and determine that, in fact, there was malpractice that occurred. And the other 40% or so are just um, uh, pet parents that uh, are angry, upset, depressed about what happened to their loved ones, and they just want to lash out. And, of course, veterinarians, the easiest one to lash out to. So, uh, But our vet, our vet team determines that there's basically nothing to see here. So um, th that's pretty much the breakdown. But the good news is uh, almost 85 percent of our 2,400 members have told us that uh, they're very satisfied with their veterinarians. Well, you know, and that's great. I've, I've basically been the same way in my past, but I do know that there are issues. You know, you, you mentioned about the malpractice. What is the difference in veterinary malpractice and veterinary negligence? which I was unclear about until recently, one of our attorneys actually explained it. Uh, so veterinary negligence would be a, a very simple situation where perhaps the, uh, the, uh, the patient is in the room on the table being treated and uh, perhaps uh, they jump off the table, there's a window, they jump out the window, get hit by a car. 
that would be a negligent an act of, you know the veterinarian would be negligent in that case the malpractice is the actual um, they went to do a spay or a neuter they uh, accidentally cut some blood vessels or they removed the wrong organ during a surgery or something along those lines where they're actually their hands are actually on the patient so that that's the general difference well you know I, i've been reading in the book and, I, and there was an interesting case where uh, the veterinarian had dropped a, a tool inside the the uh, animal that I believe it was a dog, and then had kind of wiped the records, claimed it was something else, and they had a what do you call the uh, biopsy of an animal? A necropsy after necropsy. death. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether Jerry or whether you tell us about that situation to give people an idea of some of the things that happened. Yeah, this was a situation where um, a dog went in for minor, not minor surgery, but it was uh, abdominal surgery of some kind. And from what I understand from the story, the um, they called the lady and told her that her dog had died during the procedure because it was so eaten up with cancer, they had to just sew it back up, which was the first she'd heard of this. So she went to get the dog, took it to a veterinarian school. Had the she, she insisted on doing having an necropsy done. She did. Okay. And she went to a vet school, and uh, the the doctor actually offered to do it himself, but she said no. I'd rather have a, somebody objective, which is a good idea, right? And when they did the autopsy of the dog, they found that it didn't have any cancer whatsoever, but that the intestine was severed. Because, well, once they went to court, the vets um, admitted that somebody had dropped a scalpel into the body cavity, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, cut the intestine in two, and the dog bled to death. You know, that, that that's unbelievable. That, and my understanding from reading in the book uh, is a lot of this, you know, happens, or when a lot of this type of thing happens, they have a tendency to basically redo their records, wipe the records. How does the veterinary industry handle this as far as, I know there's a board that oversees the veterinarians, just like boards that oversee the regular doctors, MDs. How do they handle these situations and how do people go about dealing with it? Uh, I'm, well, gonna let, I'm gonna let Scott answer that one. Okay. You know, there, there are two uh, areas of focus in Jerry's book. The first area deals with veterinarians that are not truthful and transparent with their clients after the demise of a patient. They uh, concoct stories, make up whatever they have to make up to cover their negligence, to cover their malpractice, and hope that the, uh, the pet parent will buy into it and just go away. Uh, when they come to us, I call them bad actors because of the deception involved. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're all human. We all make, uh, you know, errors, errors yeah. uh, and things happen and w w we can handle it. But what we have a hard time handling is being lied to and being uh, demoralized and denigrated after we've just lost a family member. That just exacerbates the problem. And that's where uh, Joey's legacy and our attorneys can step in and, um, you know, pursue the, the, the veterinarian for uh, 
in many cases for fraud, uh, misrepresentation, concealment. Uh, the, and the other issue, to your point, Rick, are the 50 boards of veterinary medicine, one in each state, who have a uh, history of uh, protecting and coddling their colleagues when their colleagues are accused of malpractice. Uh, many of those cases are just dismissed summarily when the complaints are filed. Uh, and those that manage to get to the final step are um, treated very leniently. The veterinarian uh, will either have the case dismissed at the final at the final hearing or the punishment will be so light, perhaps uh, a year of probation, which doesn't stop them from practicing. Uh, maybe a thousand dollar fine, fifteen hundred dollar fine. And the, the the real problem is those that are serial offenders that re, that appear in front of their vet boards multiple times, like Joey's vet is. Uh, Joey's case was the third sustained complaint against this veterinarian in six years. Wow! In a six-year period, <laughs> and each time uh, the board did not you know, did not increase the uh, punitive action in an attempt to deter the misconduct. As a matter of fact, in Joey's case, they actually dismissed the uh, practice uh, below the standard of care charge against him. And he was just tagged with a record keeping violation, which is akin to a jaywalking ticket. That's um, that's unbelievable. So they refused basically the vet boards, generally speaking, by and large, refused to discipline firmly and fairly as they should and if they did uh, a, a lot of a lot of jerry I, I, between the the deception by the practitioner when something goes wrong and the problem with the vet boards there would be no jerry's book jerry wouldn't have a book to write that's basically it right there wow i know that you know when they go through this and they do the slap on the wrist and stuff my guess is that's kind of because a lot of people, you know, these people don't seem to understand that, you know, pets to people are their family. They literally Absolutely. are their family. Always. And Always. it's like, they're, you know, there's a lot of people out here that have never had kids that they have pets that those are their kids. Exactly. And the grief is very similar to that, uh, the reality of it. Uh, I guess what y'all are, y'all are kind of in the process of making it so that there are a change in the value and what I'm looking for, the value that they, the courts and all put on the dog is just like it was a chair or, or, or something like that. Whereas like maybe it's worth, you know, it's value is $125. They want to give you $125 malpractice member died. And that's what y'all are fighting against or one of the things. Exactly. All the years we were indoctrinated, BS, better way to put it by the uh, veterinary propaganda machine that uh, pets are property. Uh, we have to see them as property. And if something goes wrong, maybe if you're lucky, you'll get $100 in court. Uh, nobody ever challenged that on a wide scale basis like Joey's Legacy does. And with the advent of, of Joey's Legacy, we've been able to bring a lot of this to the forefront. We've been able to publicize a lot of it. Uh, Jerry's book is doing a great job of bringing a lot of this out in the open, exposing all the nefarious conduct by this small subset of veterinarians. Um, 
And this documentary that Jerry will talk about here, I'm sure in a few minutes, is going to really go a lot farther in terms of communicating everything that needs to be communicated. You know, uh, until things change on a wide scale basis, and as soon as the landscape of veterinary injustice is reformed, we felt the need to bring this out and expose all of this to the public to make pet parents more aware of what's going on so they can better advocate for their loved ones, for their family members. And they know where to, by doing this, they know where to go, at least reach out, and then we, they can get further directions from you or Scott or really by reading the book, they can find out a lot. Yes, correct. Well, speaking of the book, how are book sales going so far, Jerry? You know, I have to say to my surprise, because I thought it was a, um, it is a niche market, um, they're going great. There's a lot of pet yeah. owners out here. There's a lot of pet owners like me that has never even heard of this situation, much less the cover-ups. And when people hear it, they, get, they have an interest. Most people get their vets from the yellow pages. And um, Scott's done a great job of helping people find vets in their states. And I think just from the publicity of this book, um, I'm not sure if I gave you a copy, but I, I you did. did. Uh, from from the stories I've heard, they're just extremely tragic. And I can see how, well, I can't say I really can't relate to it. I've had a great veterinarian my entire life. But you can understand. Yeah, but now that I've read these stories, I didn't think there would be enough to make a book. I thought the book would be like 150 pages. Well, it's not. Yeah, it, it's 300, <laughs> and I'm writing volume two. So. I, I hear you. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you mentioned something about documentaries. So tell us about the One Hour Joy's Legacy documentary that is being produced or that you're looking to get produced. Yes, uh, I contacted a gentleman in Fort Myers, Florida, John Buffar. Uh, he's won nine Emmys for documentaries that's been on History Channel and PBS. Um, I contacted him a few months ago to see if he'd be interested in uh, doing a documentary about this because people really do need to know know that this is going on. And he was. He's, he was very interested. So we talked, and finally I asked him, I said, what will it cost to do a 60-minute documentary uh, for you to take it to Sundance Film Festival, get it sold to History Channel or Animal Planet or whoever? And he gave us a budget of $100,000. In the last four weeks, we've raised about 23000 And we have, we now have had a phil philanthropic group give us $1,000 this past week. Awesome. So we're trying our best to get to 100000 And um, the producer of this film has told me that if we get close to it, he probably can help us find investors for the awesome. rest. Well, you will be getting my donation real soon. Thank you. So... And I'd suggest, you know, recommend that, you know, when people check this out, look at it. And uh, I know that um, Mike is going to include the, a couple of links to be able to make donations uh, online when they, when we, when this comes out, people look at it and then they check out the, and listen to it. There are a couple of links that are going to come out on Facebook and LinkedIn and all that, that, uh, that people can take a look at and see if it's something they might want to do. Um, how did you actually find Bafar? You know, the same guy that in, introduced me to Scott, I've never met him, but he lives in Fort Myers. Scott lived in Fort Myers. And over the years, he's read all my books and my book series. And he, we, he's called me a few times. We became friends and Facebook friends. 
And when I finished the series, I was looking for a movie, so he introduced me to a friend of his, John Buffar. And we talked on the phone, and that was about a year ago. Then the virus hit, and all filming stopped. Everything stopped. But that's how I met him, and um, some things God makes happen. Oh, absolutely. Um, Again, speaking of books, I hope you managed to figure out how to get the, I think the, uh, the other books, the end of the book, I think that would be an awesome Netflix series. I've been talking to a film producer for a year about that, and I'm supposed to hear something in July about whether it's a go or no go, but he's telling me that it's going to be a go, so we'll see. That would be an awesome thing to sit there and go through uh, seven seasons, so to speak, right. for the seven books, and then have you could have a hundred you could have a hundred episode seasons in that thing it's and not exciting. cover all of yeah. it yeah it is exciting but getting back to joey's legacy you know this is a, something that really touches the heart of a lot of people and i think you know, it's my belief that people that may not have had these issues can certainly understand what if it happened to them what it would be like and I, it may even bring to light some things that people start wondering when they've been given information about uh, what happened to their pet just out of the – I've heard so many people that say we went in for something and then just out of the blue it didn't make it, whether it be anesthesia or just something all of a sudden caused – and it's just hard to believe that all of them are just natural occurrences. It is, and uh, this is a great cause. It's a great cause because it doesn't matter if you're – a Democrat or Republican, conservative, exactly. liberal, atheist, Catholic, it doesn't matter. Everybody loves little animals. They're fur babies. 77% of Americans have at least one pet, and about 60% have two or more. Yeah, I was reading that in the book when it was talking about the number of people that actually have pets. That's a lot of families. That's a lot of families. And a lot of I, pets. I think, I think when these people find out what's going on in the industry, um, they'll want to help out, and that's what Joey's Legacy is trying to do is educate as many as possible about what's going on and don't t- necessarily take the veterinarian's word for it. Well, you know, looking at the documentary itself, um, you, you know, I, we obviously know the purpose, but, you know, what is the plan for going from the, for the Legacy documentary, and uh, have you got a couple of links that you can spit out? Have you? Uh, I didn't ask you to write them down. That uh, might be uh, make donations. I'm sure Scott could probably help here. Well, the 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 best link, the easiest link for people to do is go to Joey's Legacy, no apostrophe in that. That's Joey's Legacy dot org slash donate, and then they can go in and in the reason they can they're donating they can put in documentary and then we'll know where that goes into the fund we have a separate account for this, for this documentary and then i sent you a link it's too long to uh, quote out here but i know that's right yeah but you're gonna <laughs> i think guess you're gonna post it yeah, we're gonna post one. it it also tells the story of joey and how how this all started well see i think that's that's probably even you know more as important as the other stuff is is actually reading the story of Joey because Scott really puts puts it out there. I mean, I can you can read the heart and soul that went into what uh, you Scott went through, and um, as a as a part of your family was taken. Absolutely, uh, 
part of that story I'll just mention real quick here. The uh, the drug that was given to Joey, which which was contraindicated, not known at the time that it was contraindicated because no labs were done, even though uh, it was requested. Uh, that shot of that drug was ninety two dollars. The labs that I requested was ninety nine dollars. So it, you know, for the same amount of money, we could have determined the cause of of uh, his illness. His, his his problem at the time with labs. We could have given him some uh, renal friendly drugs rather than a drug that's known to be uh, detrimental, harmful to the kidneys. And after he got that drug two days later, uh, we had to euthanize him because he wasn't able to breathe. And what and, did uh, they tell you was, was why he died? I'm sorry, what did they tell me? What did they, what did they tell you Joey died from? The veteran. He had a severe. He had a severe. He had a. He was given a contraindicated drug, so it, it would be the same as anaphylactic shock in human beings. Well, I mean, if that's you, what they told you that he died from, or did they tell you he died from something else? No, he his his kidneys were failing uh -huh. at the time, presumably because of the drug that he should not have received. Had he received renal friendly drugs, they could have cleared up the infection more likely than not to be fair mm -hmm. they could have clear according to three other independent veterinarians that reviewed his records they could have if they had given him different meds um they could have just more likely than not cleared up his kidney infection and he would have at least survived that experience now he was 12 at the time if he was you know he would be 16 this year if he were still alive but he would have survived that veterinary visit. So I guess that's that's really the thing. You could have you could have gone through that, dealt with the fact that, you know, they gave him that drug and 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 it reacted and and all that. But uh, it's the it's the turmoil you go through with the uh, after effects as far as you know knowing that it would have been something else. That he, you know, what you requested, especially if he'd have done that, your pet would have survived. Exactly. And and the Florida Board of Veterinary Medicine, after my filing my complaint, did find him, uh, did charge him rather with three counts of practice below the standard of care, including giving him that contraindicated drug, failing to perform labs, and not addressing his vomiting issue. Uh, having said that, at the final hearing, which we were at, uh, he went up to and stood in front of the board and literally wept like a child, begging the board to uh, allow him to keep his license. Uh, basically, for the third time in six years, they bought into it and they dismissed those three charges of practice below the standard of care that's so amazing. a year and a half of seeking justice essentially all for naught well i'm glad to see that you have brought together such a coalition of people uh, that these stories are getting out and that you you've actually got all of these you know you got vet, veterinarians that are actually working with you and you've managed to get these attorneys that are uh, are they doing it basically pro bono or 
we have we have a few that'll work pro bono they all work at deeply discounted some will do it on a contingency basis so no no fee, no uh, damages awarded or no no recovery uh they don't take a fee of, of any kind they're all animal advocates they own uh horse farms they own um animal shelters they're all very benevolent people so away from the law practice they're all very strong animal advocates and that's why they're willing to work at discounted fees basically well we have a um, lot of that we have a lot of those type of people that listen to the show i've had people on my show uh that are advocates uh for pets and for horses and for and for uh dogs and, and helping out there so that is uh you know it's just it's just great to hear the information about it and and i can tell you another thing rick getting away from the days of your dog's only worth a hundred your dog or cat is only worth a hundred dollars in a courtroom uh, I, obviously i can't discuss a lot of it but uh settlements and um, damages awarded in court far exceed a hundred dollars leave it at that so while we listened to that nonsense all those years mm -hmm. that really was never the truth it's just stuff we we bought into and there but joey's legacy and its team team of attorneys uh, have worked hard to uh, bring about a great deal of change so far, and there's much more to go. Well, you stress that there is a there is a legitimate uh, value to your pet. It's not just it's not just a dollar amount. There's there's physical, there's mental, there's emotional buy-in. That that's, I mean, it's just like you lose one of your children, like I said. Exactly, and now we're we're seeing more and more cases where emotional damages play in to the uh, ultimate damage award, whereas previously being treated as property by law, pets being property by law, no judge or no court would ever entertain that idea because they're simply property like your cell phone or your, uh, your car or your boat. But these family members have heartbeats, they feel things, they fear things like humans. Well, they love you. They love you and, and we love it. them. And that's why they deserve uh, a higher uh, perception of value in society, which is rapidly coming. Well, it's fantastic. Real quick, Jerry, tell me about your second book that you're working on. The second book I'm working on right now is Joy's Legacy, Volume 2, primarily because I, I got so many stories from Volume 1, it was going to be six or 700 pages. <laughs> So we decided to do a volume two, and I'm hoping it'll be out in July. I'm not sure I'm going to make it or not. I've had a few issues, and Scott's had some issues, and uh, Scott Scott got that got the virus, unfortunately. Yep, he and got it was, the COVID. He did, and he almost died. We thought we didn't know if he was going to make it or not. A lot of us, but somehow he kept everything going, and uh, people jumped in, and um, he's had a remarkable recovery and i'm just so glad because if it wasn't for him really none of this would be happening well that's and i think scott will agree it was god's hand on that one amen so well guys i'm gonna have to wrap it up i could i could go on for another hour talking about this subject because there's there's really so much out there and it's really a bigger issue i think than people realize that you know especially with the way people feel about their pets. Uh, like you say, the important thing is, 
you know, things happen, accidents happen. Um, just don't, you know, just tell the truth, be honest about it and upfront about it and offer to make amends. It's really, I guess, what it boils down to. Yes, so, exactly. Now, once again, how do people get in touch with y'all? Uh, as far as, uh, I don't know if any of you want to have your personal emails out there, but I know that uh, throw whatever emails out here and that e- that address for the donations again for me. Yeah, the address for the donations is joyslegacy.org backslash donate. Thank you. All right, guys, uh, everybody, I appreciate you very much. Thank you for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services and in part by Sosby's Garage and Manus Scholarship Fund. Be sure to join us for the live broadcast every other Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. here on Business Radio X. If you miss the live broadcast, no worries. You can enjoy the show anytime you want by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Station, or Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Case in Point. The program is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or really wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe to Case in Point for me. Hit that subscribe button so so you don't miss any of our future episodes. For my guests, Jerry Robb and Scott Fine, and our producers, Mike and Amanda, I'm Rick Strawn. And remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets. <laughs>